Hey, road trippers, you have indeed reached Agave Road Trip, the podcast that helps gringo bartenders better understand agave, agave spirits in rural Mexico. But before we can take off on this week's road trip, we need to fill up the tank, which is code for pay the bills, which is code for run the commercials for the folks who are enabling us to go on these agave road trips. So sit back and Chava and I will circle back to you in a second. Je suis un grand canard, monsieur la tête de bombe de terre. Lou, are you speaking in tongues? Oh, Chava, I thought you spoke French. I do, Lou. I lived in Nice for a year, and what exactly is that that you're trying to speak? <laughs> well, I'm trying to speak French. Okay, if you say so, and what are you trying to say in French? I am saying I would like to try your sombre mezcal, please. Again, okay, if you say so, but why are you attempting to order your sombre in French? Oh, Chava, young Chava, have you not heard? There is a new sombra on the market, the Reposi. I think you mean Reposado? No, Chava, that's Spanish. I'm speaking French. Then I think you mean Reposé. Ah, le Reposé is fantastico. <laughs> Still not French, but could you please get to the point? Yeah, sure. Sombra has a new aged version of their award-winning Espadín Mezcal and is being aged in Bored Duck's oak wine barrels. Good Lord. Bordeaux. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that actually sounds better. Bordeaux wine barrels from, um, from, me. could you read this for me? Okay, okay. Let me check. Chateau Le Ville Poiferet. Wow. That's one of the original second growth states in Bordeaux established in 1855? <laughs> I'm, I'm not sure exactly what second growth means, but I can tell from all of your exclamation points that it's significant, which is what I figured from everything I've been reading about this. So I'm thinking the next time I go to a mezcal bar and I try to order a copita full of sombra rep, sombra, sombra reposé. Right. Next time I go to order a copita of Sombra Reposé, I'm going to have to be able to speak fancy. Fancy talk gets you fancy mezcal. I'm guessing you could just say, I like the Sombra Reposé. You know nothing is that simple with me, Chava. I do, Lou, but for everyone else, just say, I like the Sombra Reposé. What we used to call normal, I don't know that we're ever going to get back to that again. What I do know is... The world is starting to reopen, and I'm guessing a lot of you are thinking about what that looks like for your bar or restaurant. Diageo Bar Academy has easy-to-access resources to help you think through your reopening. How do you safely manage your flow of customers? There's a video from Patrick Ure of the UK's Hawksmoor chain that suggests strategies for managing foot traffic while maintaining a healthy revenue. And what should enhanced cleaning schedules look like? Check out All Systems Go, getting a handle on new hygiene measures, a video featuring tips from bars in Ireland, Australia, and Taiwan. And really, do take precautions to keep yourself safe. Ed Polin of Higher Space has a host of suggestions for PPE that can help you protect yourself from unknowing characters. In his article, Be a PPE Pro. Check out DiageoBarAcademy.com for this and more. Stay informed. Get inspired and nurture connections to grow your career or your business by joining Diageo Bar Academy. That's DiageoBarAcademy.com. D-I-A-G-E-O BarAcademy.com. Visit today. It's completely free and you'll be amazed at all they have to offer. That's D-I-A-G-E-O BarAcademy.com. Log on now at DiageoBarAcademy.com to raise the bar and enhance your career. Maybe you've heard of the superpower dilemma. 
maybe you heard about it in an episode of This American Life or you read about it in Psychology Today or in Forbes. The idea is you get to choose a superpower. The catch is you can only choose between flight or invisibility. I think most of us, what we'd really choose, if we could, is a power that can protect us and our loved ones. That's certainly what Daniel was looking for to protect himself and his eight-year-old sister, protect her from an abusive father, one who works for the wrong kind of people. Well, Daniel gets that wish one stormy night when those wrong kind of people show up at their house. Daniel runs with his little sister to the agave fields behind their house, but like most things we wish for, Daniel finds out he should have been more careful. Read El Gusano Number 0, the new comic from Agave Road Trip, for the rest of the story. It features never-before-seen early comics work by Jorge Fornes, known for his work on Rorschach, Wolverine, Daredevil, Batman, and more. And it was written by the second most popular host of Agave Road Trip. Download the e-comic or purchase a hard copy via mail order at gusano.net. That's gusano.net. Available now. I am Lou Bank. I am Chava Perivan. <laughs> this is Agave Road Trip, the podcast that helps gringo bartenders better understand agave, agave spirits, and rural Mexico. Java, today I want to talk to you about the price of mezcal. The price of mezcal. Are we going to make a movie about that, Lou? It's like, is there going to be mafia and the narco and uh, no? No, but that boy, we're going to chat fest about that later. <laughs> yeah, There's no, a story I, there that, that fascinates me and I want to know why the movie was never made. But, but. <laughs> what I want to talk about is this weird dichotomy that exists, Java, this okay. weird dichotomy that exists between the fact that people, the average consumer, right, is confused by why mezcal is so expensive compared to other not. spirits. But it's not. The dichotomy between why the average <laughs> bottle of mezcal is so much more expensive than the average bottle of vodka, whiskey, you name it. Mm -hmm. And then why there is no high end of mezcal that, that compares to any of those other categories, right? Like I can find, mm. I can find a, a bottle of vodka that's going to cost me a few hundred dollars. And it's hard to find a bottle of mezcal that would cost a few hundred dollars. I can find a bottle of whiskey that will cost me $30,000. Yeah. Like I'm hard pressed to find a $250 bottle of mezcal. Yeah. Okay. I get it. Yeah. 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 So, 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 so should, where do we start? I guess the, the low end or the high end? Uh, let's start at the low end, which is where I'd like to be the most of my time. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> that, 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 that's my realm. Uh, yep. Yeah, I mean, I absolutely understand that because let's say you're just, you want like the model of mezcals, right? You want something that it's super cheap and you want to think well, about it. You're having I like a Tuesday party. I wouldn't even say something that's super cheap, right? Like when you, when you walk into a liquor store and you're mm. looking for a bottle of whiskey, you can find a brand that you are very familiar with that's, you know, very well known. And it's going to cost you like $15 for the bottle. Same thing with vodka, like $10 for the bottle. Mm. You can, and it's not, it's not like you're going to the cheap end. If you want to go to the cheap end and spend five, $6, you can. <laughs> On plastic bottles, like outside the liquor store, inside the liquor store. In the liquor store, you can find okay. <laughs> a glass bottle of cheap liquor for like a, 
of just about every other category that's going to be five to 10 bucks. So, okay, I, I do think I have a, a few theories about that's not the case in Mezcal. I think uh, the first one is that a lot of these industries, vodka, whiskey, rum, are major, major industries. Their technology, it's out of this world. Like it can only be compared to NASA or to one of like the major industries in the planet. And they can use very tiny little bits of energy. Everything is super optimized. So from growing the raw materials to processing them, I think they have a big advantage in how to make something that it's a lot cheaper. And then it you go to the raw material where yeah. to our understanding, and again, like we will need to probably interview a lot more people in, in those fields. But uh, like according to the numbers that we have, agave <laughs> tends to be way more expensive than hmm. wheat, sorghum, <laughs> or any, like, barley, any other raw material that these industries are using. So just starting with the agave, it might, that may be the big game changer. Well, it feels like you just circumvented our, our quote. Oh, should Lord. We, like, we, should go, <laughs> we should go. We should go to the quote, right? So we interviewed... Oh, Java. <laughs> we interviewed Luis Nino de Rivera, who works yes. for Mezcal Amores, or, you know, that's in Mexico, or in the U.S., Mezcal Amaras. Yes, that's it. Yes. Okay. So let's let's run the quote from him. When you plant and take care of the agave for its whole uh, biological life cycle, you, you see what you have to invest each, each year. So the first year, it's obviously the most expensive because you have to prepare the land before you plant. So you have to move the land, put everything in, all that. Then you have, if you don't have the small uh, agaves, you will have to buy those agaves out in the market. So right now, maybe 10, 12, 15 pesos a plant, no? Then you plant it, all the labor that comes into it, organic fertilizers, etc. And then each year you have to clean it at least three times. And depending on how you clean it is the cost of that year. So if you clean it chemically with pesticides, herbicides, well, there's a cost. But if you clean it, like we clean it, which is by hand, uh, ripping out the herbs and all of that, it's two to three times more expensive than the other. And then each one you, each year, you just add it, it added, it added, and add it. And at the end, you add all that and you can get between, I don't know, 150 to 250 pesos a kilo of cost for an agave. This is Future Chava clarifying a few things. In the quote, Luis refers only to the agricultural costs for keeping the agaves alive and happy throughout their lifespan. But many added costs, such as transportation and land rental, will make the kilogram of agave to reach the 15 peso or 20 peso mark, which will translate into today's currency to 5.5 or 10 dollars per kilogram. Okay, so there you go. You know, there, there's one issue, right? Is just a all these other source materials you're talking about to make spirits, the the sorghum, the barley, the wheat. The, the cane, all of these are crops that take, you know, four to six months to reach maturity, right? And here you're talking about a, uh, a crop that takes years to reach maturity. And it's hard, it's hard to even figure out the price because of that, right? Yeah, that's crazy. It's like, there's so much speculation. Like if you're planting agave today, you have no idea how much they're going to pay for it in six, seven years. Right. Coronavirus might hit so many things. And I think actually there's, uh, now that you say it, there's this thing that it's never calculated, which is the risk factor. 
the oh sure sure that's right but but all of that aside all of that aside right mm. i'm i'm talking to you about five to ten dollar bottles of booze right and if you look at the numbers that we just got from luis at 150 to 250 pesos per kilo understanding how no, many no, kilos per liter per I'm liter s- so it's uh it's per, 15 per pe- yeah per kilo it's 10 to 15 pesos and you need 10 kilos approximately to make a liter of mezcal gotcha 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 okay yeah. so so then when you're talking 150 kilo i'm sorry pesos <laughs> 150 pesos in order to get the 10 kilos right no, no, no. Oh, yes. yeah 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 150 pesos to get the 10 kilos that you need to make a liter Right there, you're talking seven and a half bucks, and that's that's the low end. It's the low end of agave, right? Yeah, that's that's an espadín that you were super lucky, that was very efficient. It's super sweet. Your factory is kicking ass. You have the best engineers. Everything is working perfectly. That's your best case scenario. And they're just raw material. You're paying 7.5 to $10 per liter. Right, so, you, so your raw material costs as much as the actual finished bottle. For some of these other categories, so that that alone, that alone is going to blow your your um your average bottle price out of the water, and you know, and, and for anybody who's interested in in the rest of the costs, we're going to pop. Oh God, Luis made this beautiful um, <laughs> this beautiful spreadsheet for us that shows the costs involved in a bottle of mezcal, both if it's being sold in Mexico or if it's being exported to the USA. Um, and it's 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 fascinating to look at those numbers and to play with those numbers and see what you can change in order to change the dynamic of that end price. But that's again, that's just talking about, OK, why does the average bottle cost more? And then it's a whole nother issue, right, as to why why we're not seeing like, you know, we've talked on this in this podcast about thirty thousand dollar bottles of whiskey. Yes. And I think that that. Like, like I'm, I, you know, a lot of the guys making mezcal, and I think everybody is convinced that this is a luxury product. That, like, a lot of the people that we that we talk to in the Gavis Spirits world, that are producers, they know that their product is a lot more scarce than the most rare Macallan. They know it. Uh, they, 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 they know the numbers. Uh, they don't know it. I, you know, they, well, they, well, you know, I, it's it's interesting that you say they know it because I think if we actually sat down and asked them, they would know it. But I don't think they think of it in those terms. I mm. think when 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 I speak to these these mescaleros and mescaleras, um, I don't think they consider themselves against a Macallan. I think they consider themselves they when, when they when they think about who they are and what they're doing. It's always with respect to what that person is doing down the road or in the next community. Yeah, yeah, no, I, I understand that. Like, I understand from the producer artisan level. But a lot of the people that are commercializing, a lot of your friends, like also white kids that are Americans that oh. are selling agave spirits in the, in the United States. Oh, those guys. Yeah, absolutely. They understand. Yeah. So, so <laughs> why the hell there's not a 10K bottle of mezcal? Right. Right. And I, I honestly, I can't think of an answer for that because I, when I go and visit uh, my friend uh, Mike Moreno down at his liquor store in Little Village here in Chicago, like he's got these displays full of $5,000, $10,000, $20,000 whiskeys. And and I always just assumed they sat there, Chava, mm. right? Like they just, <laughs> they've been sitting there for years and years and because years. Because you're cheap, really just, Lou. You're cheap. You're not the guy buying those. Um, hey, hey, hey. <laughs> 
just because I'm not buying a $10,000 bottle of whiskey does not mean I'm cheap. It just means I'm reasonable. Yeah, no, absolutely. Um, but, you know, but I, I had assumed that it was just something they were sitting on. Um, and he told me that every single holiday season, they sell through all of that stuff and they have mm-hmm. to replace it come January, February. And, you know, if you start looking at what they have, it's primarily super expensive whiskey, some super expensive brandies, some relatively expensive tequilas, but they don't really have any expensive mezcal. Okay. So, but you think it will be an absolute success? Like if someone came up with a 10K bottle of beautiful agave spirits, do you think that will be a go? Like, do you think that won't last the season, like the holiday season this next year? Well, if they released 40,000 bottles of it, it wouldn't sell through. <laughs> but if they, right, if there were a release of, I don't know, a hundred of those bottles across the country, yeah, I think they'd sell. I think, mm. I think when, you know, so I, I don't think I said this, but Little Village is populated primarily by uh, Mexican Americans and Mexican immigrants who I would think would be very proud of their culture and would rather give something from, you know, as a gift to the girlfriend's father, right? Yeah, yeah. Would rather give that as a gift than some whiskey from Scotland. Well, I don't know, Lou. Like, I have this theory that uh, it's called, like, close enough, far away enough. And I know you're looking at the clock. We shall wrap this up. And I'm going to finish this with this. But uh, b- the understanding of value, it's one of the most complex, mysterious things in everybody's head, Right. Like there's some things that sound very logical <laughs> that they ha- should have value, but they don't translate so well. Like maybe even the guy, if, even if you're super proud of your Mexican roots, you still want to give your girlfriend's father a beautiful scotch because he embodies like he embodies that narrative, or the or the relationship embodies that narrative, and mezcal is more understood to be something else. So I don't know if there's like an absolute similarity, uh, like. Uh. I get what I get what you're saying, bro, but I like I, I really do think I think the vast majority of purchasing decisions are made emotionally, Absolutely. not logically. Absolutely. Right. And and that emotion is swayed by everything involved in the exchange. And the price tag on something is a big piece of that emotional attachment to the thing. Mm. So I think once you say it's worth ten thousand dollars, it's worth ten thousand dollars. You know, I, I I don't think it's a coincidence that um, that that kids like you growing up in Mexico City used to think of mezcal as uh, as as panda trash, as like right <laughs> as the stuff as the stuff. Like yeah, yeah, yeah. I think at, at one point you said that oh yeah he's gonna drink some mezcal and then go, then go do some crystal meth. Yeah, yeah, that, like, that I, was I, impression absolutely. Yes, yes, yes. And, yeah, <laughs> yeah. And, and and then suddenly the outside world starts paying attention. And then people within Mexico pay attention. And you, and you know what's different about agave spirits? And that's going to be my last comment and we can wrap this up. <laughs> it's that it's, yeah. this is one of those few moments where the product, it's actually worth it. This is not artificial value being injected to something. This is not like, the, you know, right. the limited right. edition sneakers of like Kanye West. that They, they could do a hundred million of those if they wanted because it's just like cheap plastic and cheap textiles. And they're just creating this artificial value to be attached with this by scarcity. Right. This actually is 
the, the product of hundreds of years of knowledge, a very scarce, difficult raw material to use, an extremely excruciating process. You have all the elements that give value to, to, to a drink. So in this case, yeah, I, I, it's, yeah. it's, not, it's not a marketing trick. In this case, it's exactly the opposite to a marketing trick. Like, uh, I don't even know how to call that. <laughs> I, I know I, I agree with you 100%. When I see these other bottles labeled super premium, I think just about every one of these mezcals, just about the vast majority of, of, of certified mezcal, let alone the uncertified, beautiful, tiny batches, right? Mm. But even the certified stuff, that's super premium. It's just not being priced that way. Ah, uh, yeah. Uh, yeah. Like, and, and, no. and it's sad. It's angering. And we need to change that some way, Lou. We're not going to find an answer to that right now. So let's wrap this up. And thank you very much. <laughs> and, and, <laughs> and, and, and actually, it would just lead us to the other question of, okay, once we do that to the price, do we screw the communities who are making these spirits? But we screw ourselves. Like, what if I don't have <laughs> access to agave spirits anymore? Like, I, I need to be selfish a little bit on this one, Lou. <laughs> Yeah, that's that's fair enough, Chava. Okay, let's wrap this up, though. I will just, uh, you know, once more hit on that. Uh, go check out the episode page ah, uh, yeah. on our website for this so that you can you can see this beautiful spreadsheet that Luis uh, from Mezcal Amores made um, so that you can see what the real costs are uh, in a bottle of Mezcal. Grandiose. Okay, catch you next episode. Adios. This has been Agave Road Trip, the podcast that helps gringo bartenders learn about agave spirits. Your hosts are Lubank and Chava Periban. Sound engineering by Roy Sierra. Theme song performed by Gabriel Oliveira and Mark Rico. Sign up to become a road tripper and listen to more episodes at agaveroadtrip.com. If you enjoyed this podcast, please let us know. And if you hated it, recommend it to your enemies. You can also find us on Facebook and Instagram. Lou is in charge of our social media. So if he happens to sound like an old man, forgive him. He is one. A Gabby Road Trip is a production of 10 Angry Pitbulls, Inc. A Gabby Road Trip is powered by Simplecast. Thank you for listening to Heritage Radio Network. Heritage Radio Network is food radio supported by you. For our freshest content, subscribe to our newsletter. To subscribe to the Heritage Radio Network newsletter, enter your email at the bottom of our website, heritageradionetwork.org. Connect with Heritage Radio Network on Instagram and Twitter at heritage underscore radio. You can also find Heritage Radio Network at facebook.com slash heritageradionetwork. Heritage Radio Network is a nonprofit organization driving conversations to make the world a better, fairer, more delicious place. Heritage Radio Network couldn't do that without support from listeners like you. Become a part of the food world's most innovative community today. Subscribe to the shows you like, tell your friends, and please join the Heritage Radio Network family by becoming a member. To become a member of the Heritage Radio Network, click on the beating heart at the top right of our homepage. Heritage Radio Network can become addictive. Programming you here on Heritage Radio Network can drive you to eat, drink, and listen to more programming on Heritage Radio Network. If it drives you to drink, please do not drink and drive. Drink responsibly, eat responsibly too, and listen to Heritage Radio Network responsibly. To listen to Heritage Radio Network responsibly, wear protective earbuds. While wearing protective earbuds, do not drive or walk. Sit in a comfortable chair. If that comfortable chair has a hard seat, please remember to get up and stretch every 30 minutes. If you get up and stretch every 30 minutes, do not stretch beyond your abilities. Stay within your defined stretching capacity and consult a doctor who specializes in stretching. If you do not have a doctor, listen to all the shows on the Heritage Radio Network. There has to be at least one doctor among the Heritage Radio Network podcast hosts. Thanks for listening. Agave Road Trip out.